0: Hey guys, it's Elise here. Before we start the show this week, just wanted to let you know some exciting news coming from Rabbit Holes Podcast, and that is we are running our first contest. Head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, leave us a five-star rating or a good review, and we're going to enter your name into a draw to win some Rabbit Holes Podcast merch. You have until the end of the day on October 21st, 2018 uh, to do that, and then we're going to draw a name on the 22nd. The more good reviews and ratings we get, the more we appear in the mystical, magical algorithms of these websites, and the more our name will get out there, and that's what we want. We want to make sure lots of people are able to hear us so that we keep doing this for you guys because we enjoy doing it ourselves. So remember, head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, leave us a five-star rating or a good review before the end of the day on October 21st, 2018, and then we'll enter you into a draw to win some Rabbit Holes podcast merch. Good luck to everyone, and now let's start the show. Welcome to the new episode of Rabbit Holes Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Elise.
1: And I'm your other host, Andy. Hello.
0: <laughs> we are up to episode number seven, lucky number seven. Woohoo!
1: 777.
0: Seven, seven. <laughs> good luck number for everyone, and I'm sure it'll be a good luck number for us too. Uh, but before we get into the story, just wanted to give you guys some information about uh, our podcast. So you
1: can uh, reach us and find some more information about us on our website at rabbitholespodcast.com. You can email us if you want to let us know what you think or if you have any suggestions for future shows or want to share with us some weird rabbit hole you also found yourself falling down. You can email us at rabbitholespodcast at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter at rabbitholespod, Facebook, podcast page, And Instagram at rabbitholespodcast.
0: Absolutely. And uh, if you like what we're doing and you want to provide us with positive reinforcement that we need, because very much like toddlers, we need to hear that frequently. Good uh, job. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Please take some time uh, to give us a good rating and a good review on iTunes, Stitcher, and or Google Play, wherever you get your uh, podcast downloads. Uh, it helps with our visibility, both in terms of the rankings on those websites, and also it puts us out into the world. So we would love to know that uh, we're getting good reviews because it brings us. Somebody's listening. Yeah. My husband. Yes, because it confirms that there's other people listening who aren't required by law to like everything that we do. And uh, it gets our name out to new audiences, mm-hmm. which would be delightful. Yes we want to reach out and touch as many people as we can in a non-pervy way well andy can do it in the non-pervy way i want to do it in the pervy way that is true that's just me (laughs) so uh let's dive into our stories for this week and uh no need to decide who's going to go first i have an inkling about what andy's story is going to be and i know she is dying to get to it so i'm going to Just allow her to go ahead and share with us her favorite rabbit hole. Oh, my favorite rabbit hole and my favorite thing to rant
1: about is goop and all things crazy, insane, stupid, wellness friends that are on the go. (laughs) I which like, goop and gwyneth just do better than everyone else. oh my god they do it so extreme than anybody. like it's just yeah it's like the extreme sports of wellness is gwyneth Paltrow and goop also the most insane so um i am uh, i find goop and its brand of pseudoscience not only a crack of shit but in some cases also dangerous oh in like, a lot of cases i'm sure yeah so I'm a big fan of wellness. I use yoga as a part of my treatment for uh, treatment mix for my depression. I'm a big fan of alternative medicine when it is used as an overall treatment plan. Uh, however, with the internet, uh, which is all things great and also all things horrible, <laughs> Um, And the rise of wellness culture, you have this unregulated platform and unlimited reach for the modern day um, charlatan to claim. Like a jade egg stuffed up your vagina can cure all sorts of illnesses and balances you never knew you had. Absolutely. So um, as uh, many of you might remember not that long ago... um, Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop settled a, a lawsuit over its claims around the said vagina, jade, vagina, egg. Um, a couple of California counties lodged the lawsuit against Goop on behalf of the customers that were in that area because of the claims. Um, basically, uh, what they said was but not real. Shock, I know. <laughs> so... I think most people know about the jade egg and the steaming vaginas. So we're going to look at a few other things that are on that site that uh, aren't maybe as known. So first, I did a poke around the Goop website. and said poke. I know. I (laughs) poked around there. Uh, And wow. Other than some really ugly-ass expensive pants, which I sent a screen capture to Elise because they were both really expensive
0: and... (laughs) God awful. And we both like laughing at stuff like that? Yes.
1: Um, because we're both like just very basic, sometimes petty, petty, <laughs> petty people. Um, there's like a whole, I also stumbled upon this like whole section called Goop, The Goop Guide to Conspiracy Theories that I feel will have its own whole oh. uh, story in the probably not so distant
0: future. I can't wait. Because, yeah. Who doesn't love a good conspiracy theory, especially when it's, like, peddled by someone as insane as the goop people are? I know. Um, so that's I, – I just wanted to look at
1: wellness and some of their more out-there claims. So we're going to leave the conspiracy theories alone for right now, although some of these have conspiracy theories. We'll into in. them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so most of us know about the jade egg or the steaming our vaginas. But did you also know that you could spend $27 US on psychic vampire repellent, (laughs) which at the time of writing was sold out. This spray-enabled elixir, to quote the goop site, uses a combination of gem healing and deeply aromatic therapeutic oils that is reported to banish bad vibes while shielding you from the people who may cause them. (laughs) You spray it around your head... To, I kid you not, protect your aura. (laughs) The how to use section is my favorite on this product. Direct quote. Spray the aura to protect from psychic attacks and emotional harm. Avoid contact
0: with eyes. Do not ingest or inhale. (laughs) So $27.99? $27.00 US. Okay. I'm going to DIY this for you guys. You head on down to your local dollar store. You pick up like one of those spray bottles. You fill it with water when you get home. You also boil an egg, cut the egg in half, put it in the water, let it sit for a couple of weeks. And then you just spray that shit on whoever you think is the psychic vampire in your life. And it'll repel them away from you just as effectively for a grand total of $4. Yeah. Just just DIY your psychic repellent and you'll be much better off. And send me the remaining $23.
1: Yeah, go on a Patreon, and uh, there
0: you go. You you could you could uh, buy a level
1: for just the mere price of some insect repellent spray. (laughs) (laughs) There's also the Goop medicine bag, which is inspired by the shamans' medical medicine bags from various indigenous traditions. This Goop exclusive pouch holds magically charged stones. If you're wondering how those, magically char- how those stones are magically charged, they are passed through sage smoke to energetically cleanse them. And then the stones are supposed to be placed on your chakra centers to heal and balance them.
0: So that is a two for one in cultural appropriation. Okay, I have these two cute t-shirts that I got for like 18 bucks from Walmart a couple years ago. And I stopped wearing them because I realized after doing some reading online and hearing some things that the patterns on them were in fact cultural appropriation for some African cultures and some Native American cultures. How come I don't get to wear those t-shirts anymore, but this broad gets to culturally appropriate from two cultures to sell her bullshit magic stones? Because I would also wager that these cultures don't actually subscribe to the concept that these are magical properties to their cultural relics and probably wouldn't appreciate this all so much.
1: No. So I want to be affirmative firm to everyone that I'm a spiritual person, but I find that spending 85 bucks US for a white blonde rich lady to sell you someone else's Culture and spirituality is uh, offensive. Butter bullshit. 85 bucks? Yeah. For some quartz that's magically cleansed. So when you use them, eventually, I guess, they drain their energy. So to cleanse them and recharge them, you uh, pass them over some sage smoke yourself. And then you put them out into the, the light of the full moon to charge them again. Oh, so God. that's actually kind of offensive to Wiccans Yes, as one uh, I find this offensive So she's culturally appropriated three, three cultures. cultures Although I guess that as a white Wiccan I can't really call cultural appropriation I'm not sure how cultural appropriation works um, Other than when I'm doing it with, you
0: know well, All I know is I'm suffering crippling guilt From the $16 worth of t-shirts upstairs And this broad's making money hand over fist Oh yeah I need to lose my soul, Andy, is what I think I have to do. I don't know if she had one. Have you seen her?
1: <laughs> so, a few other products to mention are the sex dust, a powder <laughs> that you can add to smoothies and drinks to excite sexual energy in and out of the bedroom.
0: Again, nothing sexy about dust. Wouldn't want it anywhere near any sort of sexy <laughs> event. I'm highly allergic to dust, so that would be really bad. <laughs> for you. Nothing sexier than a girl coughing her lungs
1: yeah. out. See the Tragically Hip song where the stripper can't continue because she's coughing so <laughs> That would be neat. Anything dusty. A number of detoxifying bath products. Can any Should anybody tell her that our bodies detoxify? Also, listeners out there, your bodies detoxify itself. That's what your liver does. Mm-hmm. So just don't cripple it with alcohol and it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, I know that everybody listening is saying, well, that sounds kooky and offensive, but not really dangerous. Um, And yeah, those products aren't really dangerous. It's just stupid and just proves the old saying that a fool and their
0: money is soon parted. And if you have purchased anything of this nature from Goop, please contact me because I have a bridge I would like to sell you. Mm -hmm. You're probably not listening to this podcast anyway because we've probably offended you by now, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> you probably <laughs> have true.
1: edited episode like two or something. If
0: you know somebody who has bought off goop, hit yes. send us their contact information, we'll reach out on your behalf. Yeah,
1: um, for a look at the more dangerous and irresponsible side of goop and a few other wellness trends, I turned to Dr. Jen Guther, the Wonder Woman of dispelling this wellness crazy and breaking it down. Uh, the good doctor is a real medical doctor who is an OBGYN and pain medicine physician. She is the soc- she's called the social media's on-call doctor and a fierce advocate for women's health. Her goal is to create a better medical internet, and who started her crusade on against online snake oil after having very premature babies. So she's quoted to having said that after she had her babies, she that she found separating fact from fiction difficult and she's a doctor right so when she was looking for things to help her kids or dealing with like the the, the just insane amount of complications that come with having very premature babies mm-hmm. so she has published books academic articles published in so many magazines that i can't even begin to count she is the real deal, and she's
0: Canadian. Hey.
1: She's also board certified in both Canada and the U.S.
0: Hey, Andy, high five for free healthcare.
1: Yeah. Uh, as for dangerous, I'll cite a couple of examples of wellness slash medical advice articles that are found on Goop. The first one is the medical medium's opinion on the origins of thyroid cancer. Since I have personally had thyroid cancer, this article really hit home for me. This article, was, uh, we should say that you've had it and you're yes, clear. And I'm clear. Yes, I'm fine. <laughs> um, it really wasn't that big of a deal, to be honest. I actually, when I had my first baby, I totally forgot to mention it to you, my uh, doctor until at the end of the visit. And then she got mad at me. I'm like, but I don't do any,
0: like it didn't really affect my life. <laughs> Like, I had to take no medicine. I really didn't have to do much follow-up to it. Like It is still one of those big medical things yes, that she I probably know. was looking to know about. I know. I told her at the end of the first oh, appointment. Oh, uh, BT dubs. Uh, cancer. Yeah, I had thyroid cancer. I've <laughs> half of
1: my thyroid removed.
0: She's like, how do you forget that? I'm like... I mean, it's kind of on her because you have a very unnoticeable, but it's their yeah. scar. I have a big scar on my neck. It's just not that noticeable unless you're certain people. <laughs> um...
1: This article is written um, by Anthony Williams, a medium that gives medical advice based on the divine spirit that speaks to him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, so this guy at the age of four had a spirit that he calls spirit. Original. This is why you don't like children named pets either. Yeah. Um, tell him that his mother, his grandmother had thyroid cancer. And the thyroid cancer was caused by a virus plus various toxins such as petroleum and what was the other one? There was a couple of other chemicals that he named. So at four, you would know the term petroleum. Right.
0: Um,
1: Also, you probably wouldn't remember it. But But anyway, anyway. So this, he started speaking to spirit at four. And in this article, there is a proviso that I quote that the Goop Goop editorial staff has put on it. It's clear that current science does not support all his theories. (laughs) No shit. This is advice from a fucking ghost.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) A ghost? Like, I'm sorry. Is the ghost board certified in oncology care? Because if he is, then I will listen. But until then... And not so much.
1: After reading a bunch of BS about the myths of the history of cancer, um, I could have used some of your dispro- disused blood pressure medication because mm-hmm. it was like all the way up here. Yeah. They're talking about how cancer isn't real. And whoever wrote that clearly never watched a loved one die of cancer. Or like, you know, cancer wasn't around, hasn't been around forever like doctors are telling us. That it really only showed up after the Industrial Revolution, and I'll get into why. Okay. So, that no, like, those tumors they're finding in, like, people that have been dead, like, our evolutionary ancestors, those weren't really cancerous th- uh, tumors, they were just benign. Right. Because
0: I mean, also, we stopped dying in the ripe old age of childbirth. So, like. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
1: <sighs> this person believes that thyroid cancer is caused by the, so this, in An- Anthony Williams, the medical medium, believes that, oh, sorry, the spirit has told him that thyroid cancer is caused by the Epsom bar virus and at least one type of toxin. Can you remind me what the Epsom bar virus is? So mono is one of the early stages of Epsom bar virus, often called EBV, and that is after the mono is gone, the Epsom bar virus lingers, combining with at least one toxin to cause thyroid cancer. Hmm. Just in case you were wondering, Epsom bar virus also causes breast cancer, liver cancer, lung cancer, pancreatic cancer, colon cancer, prostate cancer, lady bits cancer, and leukemia. <clears throat> this is... A- According so, to... According to the medical okay. medium. Because I was like, I'm Andy. <laughs> Unsubstantiated claims. <laughs> this wider concept, of course, ex- is explained in his book, which, of course, he is shelling. Oh. In this article. He just published a book. Also, so he also talks about the concept of cancer genes as some sort of conspiracy theory to keep oh. us from investigating outside sources as the cause of cancer. Well, this so, guy can uh, eat a dick. So, uh, a mother and daughter that both get thyroid cancer, it's not genetic. (laughs) To quote him, of course, facial features and vocal cords are genetic. Diseases aren't. (laughs) The real equation, quoting our spirit, is virus plus toxins equal cancer. (laughs) According to Mr. Williams, what medical communities interpret as genetics with cancer Susceptibility is actually the passing down of viruses and toxins from one generation to the next. That sounds pretty genetic to me. There's also a long breakdown of the history of the Epsom bar virus, which I will not bore you with. But uh, basically how the Epsom bar virus went from a happy, friendly, helping virus to the evil cancer-making demon that we know it as. Or he knows it as, I should say, (laughs) that we do. Because it's not fucking true. <laughs> uh, and, but the end of the article, their supposed conspiracy le- theory is laid out. Cancer, virus, and toxins roots are being hidden because if all the companies that have produced these toxins that fuel the virus to cause cancer were exposed, that billions of dollars would have to be paid out to patients and families. So the healthcare community
0: is just protecting
1: these companies
0: to keep them from shelling money. I think whoever comes to market with the first cancer-stopping drug is going to make back every single dime that they could ever possibly have to pay out in damages, if that were true. Huh.
1: He uses melathelioma mal- mal- as an example. According to Mr. Williams, this is the one of the rare cancers that's not caused by a virus because it's caused by asbestos exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had a huge payout. From companies that mined and put like asbestos minors. in a wall, yeah, yeah, um, especially to people who are mining asbestos. Also, why if you do an old home or an old building, you have asbestos abatements and that's a
0: whole complicated construction process. Or if you're smart, you tell your handyman, "Don't punch a hole into the attic space because I'm not paying for asbestos abatement." Well, like I did. But when you're doing things like
1: renovating parliament buildings, you have to do asbestos abatement. Yes. <laughs> Uh, this article suggests that you can prevent thyroid cancer or treat thyroid cancer you already have by treating the virus and detoxifying. Yeah. Okay. Our good doctor, Dr. Jen. The real doctor. Dr. Jen Goodler, That's the real doctor. Has a whole article pointing out, as I'm sure what the listeners at home are screaming into their phones going, but that's not how it works. (laughs) So I post the link, we'll post the link to both articles and I'll summarize the important points. After pointing out that the whole article, again written by a man who talks to a ghost, is <coughs> bullshit and it's it's obscene almost to use such a large international platform to promote false ideas about cancer and to scare women and men into buying a book mm-hmm. that won't help them because that's not how cancer works or possibly foregoing yeah or proven hurting treatment. them yeah. because they're going to forego treatment to detoxify and reduce their viral load which doesn't fucking exist right sorry for the obscenities people this really gets me like juiced up (laughs) um in case you know anybody forgot i know i keep mentioning he gets his information from a spirit yeah again that he just calls spirit like beyonce right only i don't think she's as fly as beyonce who is (laughs) <laughs> Dr. Gunther called a thyroid, cause, because she is an OBGYN and a pain uh, specialist. She's not a thyroid cancer specialist. So she actually got a specialist right. to give her some opinions on this. So she, she knew what her lane was and stayed yeah, in it. So she reached outside her lane and got some like specialty uh, advice. So she called Dr. Sh- Shirley and asked him about this hypothesis that Epsom- Virus plus toxins cause thyroid cancer. And he said there is no known link of Epsom bar to thyroid cancer of any kind. The two most common risk factors for thyroid cancer are high doses of radiation and a family history. Although there is increasing evidence that exposure to other environmental factors, including flame-retardant chemicals, can be a risk factor. Because you have people like me who have no known high levels of radiation exposure mm-hmm. and no family history of thyroid cancer, getting thyroid cancer.
0: Outliers to every equation.
1: I'm just the outlier to every <laughs> medical. I'm like atypical for everything. It is true that some viruses can cause a mutation that causes cancer, such as HPV. And actually, the Epsom bar virus is currently being looked at for uh, as being a cofactor with HPV to cause some sorts of cervical cancers. Epsom bar virus may also be linked to a few cancers, uh, other types of cancers, but thyroid isn't one of them. And it's mm-hmm. just sort of a, uh, a factor that might lead to the early stages, but not actually lead to cancer. Like it's just oh, okay. one of those things that might help that genetic mutation, I guess. And HPV might be able to interact with EBV to cause some forms of cervical cancer, but they're oh. still not sure. They're actually just, it's just one of the research. Surely it is. Yeah. One of the research veins they're looking at. So Dr. Shirley was more troubled or equally troubled or even more troubled by the grossly incorrect information in the post about genetics the, and gene- and mostly the genetic role in thyroid cancer or other kinds of cancers. So the r- genetics has been exhaust exhaustingly researched and proven mm-hmm. to play a significant factor in if you get cancer or not. Yeah. Just the same with heart conditions and it's like saying water's wet and the sun comes up in the east. Yeah. So, because of this sort of fear-mongering that people like this medium uh, do, it's he, Dr. Shirley is finding and other doctors are finding that sometimes they have a hard time convincing patients to take potentially life-saving genetic tests mm-hmm. because it's sort of like, a, well, if I don't know, then I don't have to deal with it, I guess, but then you've got all these um, non medical sources saying you don't need to do that; it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know, if your doctor is saying take a genetic test, they're usually not that difficult to take.
0: Yeah, uh, just take the damn test. Better to know than not know. Yeah, and quite frankly, you should trust the doctors who have gone through all that training and education, and not the guy who talks to someone who's not there, or the Playboy bunny who thinks vaccines cause autism. Wait, like I'm all for like knowing your body and maybe advocating for your health with your doctor.
1: But if you're coming to your doctor with advice you found on Goop, they will never listen to you again. Mm -hmm. You're gonna get flagged. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So my last note on this article is more a note on how to spot a charlatan. So if someone is telling you information that sounds wacky, and then they follow it up with, I will tell you how to cure yourself only if you buy my product,
0: there's big old sign. There's a big old sign that this is just shit. I mean, that person might as well just have a horse-drawn carriage parked outside the local fair at that point. So, I
1: mean, he's he's only going to tell you how to eliminate the toxins and decrease your viral load if you buy his book. So I guess the spirit is okay with him making money off of his, her, I guess, its wisdom. <laughs> so, and I personally love a good capitalist ghost. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. This ghost is down with capitalism. <laughs> So as you can tell, I feel really passionate about this topic. Healthcare is complicated, as we discussed in past episodes. Getting people uh, the proper care isn't always easy, but it's, you know, just just trust your doctor. Find a doctor that you trust. Find a doctor that will listen to you. Find a doctor that will trust you to tell them what's going on. And who will work with you to create uh, an entire treatment plan that looks at not just traditional pharmaceuticals, but... You know, alternatives and wellness and therapy, if that's like if you have mental health issues, you know, just work, find a doctor that you like. I mean, I think that's the big takeaway for all of our medical stuff we'll talk about
0: for all of this is if you have a doctor that you like and trust, then things go so much easier. I think also our takeaway should be neither of us are doctors. So if we ever start giving you medical advice, feel free to ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're not, we don't know. what. The Other than listen about. to your doctor. Yeah. That, that's the only medical advice you should take from us is yeah. listen to your doctor. Well, I'm sure we will talk lots
1: about medical and our own medical journeys. Oh, of course. Because <laughs> there's a rabbit holes we go down all the time. <laughs> so Dr. Gunther is not the only one to take on Goop and their insane claims. NASA Oh, in june also had to release a statement regarding uh, regards to stickers goop was selling online <laughs> these wearable stickers called body vibes are supposed to promote healing and rebalance the energy frequencies in our bodies these magical stickers reduce inflammation boost cell turnover smooth out both physical and tension and anxiety and at 60 bucks <gasps> for a pack of 10 what gives these stickers more magical power than, say, the Paw Patrol stickers frequently
0: on me? Right. Because I've yes. gone to work with stickers stuck to me. I found Dora the Explorer stickers here in my home after you've been yeah. here for a visit. Because my kids like stickers and it keeps
1: them quiet. <laughs> I don't care that they're everywhere. Like, it bugs my husband, I think, a bit more than it bugs me. But I'm like, <laughs> they were quiet for, like, 20 minutes while they covered the refrigerator in stickers <laughs> The answer to what the magical property of said stickers
0: are is space science. Oh, of course. That's NASA's space science. I mean, that's how I explain away everything. So it must be good, right? Like NASA created
1: something that these stickers use? Mm -hmm. So according to the description posted on Goop, they are made with the same conductive carbon material NASA uses to line spacesuits so they can monitor astronauts' vitals journey wear. <laughs> this special technology uses biofrequencies that resonates with the body's natural field. That sounds pretty high tech and
0: sci-fi, if you ask me.
1: NASA was very quick to put out a statement to the fact that NASA spacesuits do not have conductive carbon <laughs>
0: material lining;
1: they're just lined like polyester or something. <laughs> cotton, something breathable, I'm sure. And a former chief scientist at NASA added that the unnecessary comment, I thought, but what a load of BS that is. (laughs) So, no, they don't have
0: conductive carbon materials in the spacesuits. It is not lined with it. It is not in there. Those poor space nerds. They actually had to come out and say, stop using our name to sell your bullshit. Yes.
1: (laughs) Now, Goop did remove the NASA claim and put out a statement that said, as I quote, As we have explained, advice and recommendations included on Goop are not formal endorsements (laughs) and the opinions expressed by the experts and companies we profile do not necessarily represent the views of Goop. Our content is meant to highlight unique products, offer hypotheses, find open-minded alternatives, and encourage conversations. We constantly strive to improve our site for our readers and are continuing to improve our processes for evaluating the products and companies featured. Based on the statement from NASA, we've gone back to the company to inquire about
0: the claims and remove the claim from our site until we get verification." Basically to me what that reads is, yeah it's bullshit, yeah we know it's bullshit, but unless we get caught in a big bad social media way, that is not our problem. Yeah, you keep giving us our money for this bullshit. (laughs) So my favorite part of that statement
1: is the open-minded part that Gwyneth and Goop trot out every time something calls some of them calls them on their BS. But however, they don't have the same open-mindedness to people who question them.
0: No, of course not.
1: So if that person is say Dr. Gunther, mm-hmm. they attack her personally or barf up, barf up this open-minded line.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: in New York, in a New York Times profile, Gwyneth has said she doesn't understand the need for fact checking because they are never making statements. They are only asking questions. And in my deep dive, I can tell you what I did not see much on goop.com is a fucking question mark. (laughs) If it is not a question mark, Gwyneth, it's a statement.
0: (laughs) It's true, I never heard your uh, inflection go up at the end of any sentences you read off that website. Cause there's no question marks. Mm (laughs) Okay.
1: As we listened in the last weeks, when the author was talking about how she'd murder her husband. Right. She did ask questions with question marks. So that self-published murderer author does better with grammar than
0: Gwyneth does. Yes.
1: So also, again, if there are no question marks, there are no questions, then they're just statements. Yes. So in summary, do not take advice uh, from a man who talks to ghosts that give medical advice, or a woman who thinks that fact-checking is not necessary. No stickers are going to rebalance your energy. Any virus does not cause thyroid cancer. If you're told you have thyroid cancer or any kind of cancer, follow your doctor's advice. To quote my cancer doctor, the word cancer is like the word animal. It could mean angry polar bear. That's short of your brain cancers, your really terminal cancers. Please don't buy them Christmas presents. That's your Mm -hmm. polar bear cancers. And then you have kitty cat. Kitty cat, which is often thyroid cancer. You have surgery. As in my case, if you remove it. You might need some radiation. But nine chances out of ten, you're going to live if you catch it early enough. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to your doctor. Mm-hmm. So if you want a good read, check out uh, the Good Doctor's site. We will post a link. She is super insightful and gives great advice. And I hope that you all enjoyed my rabbit hole rant. <laughs> And I also meant to include some other wellness trends, but that will have to be a topic for another day because this this goop
0: rant went a little long. But which is the story of Andy's life when it comes to goop? Because inevitably, if goop's in the news, I know I'm going to come home to a text from Andy like you would not believe what this bitch did today. Again, <laughs> like the John Oliver voice, but when is <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it takes a certain amount of sheer audacity and lack of giving self awareness. Maybe like I awareness? Think she's Very self aware, but I just don't think she gives a shit. Maybe that. Yeah, I mean, she walked away from a Condé Nast deal worth millions of dollars because they were going to make her fact check the claims of her magazine. website magazine. Yeah, magazine. Yeah. <laughs> And so she rather, uh, I mean, she's not hurting for money if she's selling $600 plaid pants and $30 psychic spray, vampire yeah. psychic spray. And $85. Appropriated stones. Yes. But still, like, no common sense says it's a good idea to walk away from a deal with Condé Nast, the world's leader in magazine publishing, because they're going to make you fact check your content. Well, because the medical mediums. Right. It's, it's really hard to fact check a ghost.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because as soon as you try to fact check any
0: of those claims, every doctor is going to be like, that's well, not how it works. And if the doctor is like on board with it, I would wager somewhere in that doctor's history was either a malpractice website, site, uh, lawsuit, lawsuit, or a sanction from their regulating body. This is just the topic of goop just, just makes me <laughs> twitch. <laughs> I know, I can see it happening right now. <laughs>
1: And I'm sure our good listeners will hear more and more about Goop as she comes to the news for different
0: things. And I will definitely try to do the conspiracy theories. Oh, I can't wait. Because. Anything conspiracy theory is fun. I can just imagine how crazy well, this, fun it's going to be.
1: This was a conspiracy theory because it was the, you know the medical community protecting the big companies
0: yeah. that spew toxins that give us cancer. Yeah. Except, I mean, those companies are usually one and the same, but... That's just an inconvenient fact that no one would like to fact check. <laughs> so I knew where Andy's rabbit hole was taking her because, I mean, it was bound to happen sooner or later. And then the whole uh, lawsuit settlement thing came out and I was we were chatting. So I wanted to look at stuff from my rabbit hole, similarly mind-blowing events that happened. And what kind of tripped me along the the path. The first kind of um, run down this rabbit hole was a news alert that I got. Uh, the article title is Sumter County, Alabama just got its first integrated school. Yes, in 2018 by Antonia Farazon, and it appeared in the Washington Post. And what caught my attention was the whole idea that Um, There were still segregated schools this late uh, in the game when the civil rights movement happened in the 60s So I wanted to learn a little bit more about what was happening down in Sumter County, Alabama. For background um, Getting into a bit of the history. So I'm super excited. This is my first history based story So I was really happy to go looking for information Uh, Of course a good place to always start just for background factual information is Wikipedia I looked up this whole issue of segregated and integrated schools. So for background, uh, racial segregation in the United States is a general term. It is the segregation or separation of access to facilities, services, and opportunities such as housing, medical care, education, employment, and transportation along racial lines. The expression often refers to legally or socially enforced separation of African Americans from other races, But also applies to general discrimination against people of color by white communities the whole idea of segregation of schools uh came out of the end of the american civil war uh, when there was a series of laws passed that are known as the jim crow laws and the goal was basically to disenfranchise the black or african-american populations there was one large uh a legal suit that happened in 1896 and uh, known as Plessy v. Ferguson and that allowed for racially segregating public institutions including schools. So this whole separation of um, races in public institutions like schools was a fact until the 1950s when uh, there was a Supreme Court decision known as Brown v. Board of Education in which the U.S. Um, Supreme Court decided that the whole idea of separating public uh, access to public institutions had to stop the decision was unanimous at uh, 9 to 0 which i found really great for humanity that 9 supreme court justices saw the good sense in that And the foundation of the decision was that separate facilities were inherently unequal unfortunately though with the decision there was no guidance provided on how to end segregation just the instruction that it should happen with all deliberate speed it was the decision that paved the way for integration and seen as a major victory in the uh, civil rights movement Uh, actual integration though didn't run smoothly virginian senator and i'm just gonna say flaming racist of a human. Harry Byrd decided he would rather close nine schools in his state than have to integrate them. So not only disenfranchising his black constituents, but also his white ones by taking away public education, just to reinforce that the races shouldn't mix. Stellar move, dude. Great human being all around. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't the only one of his of this kind. Uh, a lot of Southern elected officials got on board and signed a document in 1956 called the Southern Manifesto. And this disavowed the racial integration of public institutions such as schools. Uh, not just uh, Byrd, but uh, nine other <laughs> massive racists. But this was a South, not a Yeah, Yeah, unfortunately, yeah.
1: Not that the North had a whole lot more to talk about because they didn't have technical segregation, but they did have segregation by proxy almost, right. with creating you know creating situations where they'd end up with inner cities. So a lot of those schools were were minorities only, just because that's where the lower income areas were, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So they didn't have to desegregate as like the South did. Mm -hmm. but they also didn't do it. Like it was by practice, if not by law. Yeah. It was more by practice and because it was by practice and because it was the whole system was set up to work this way. Unlike the South, they weren't forced to desegregate. Mm -hmm. So the actual act of segregation is still in some places. Yeah. By
0: proxy, basically by, Mm. by misadventure, maybe. (laughs) Uh, This whole, integration movement is really personified by one young girl, her name was Ruby Bridges and she's become the visual representation of the uh, integration uh, event. She was the first African-American child to attend the all-white William France Elementary School in Louisiana during the New Orleans school desegregation crisis of the 60s. She's so famous uh, because of the picture of her standing on the school's steps with armed US marshals who were there to escort her to and from school because of the protests that were occurring. Parents literally showed up with her with their children to stand outside of their school and yell racial slurs at her and the other three black children who are going to be attending. Classy as always. Very much so. Um, It was so bad that, as I said, armed U.S. Marshals had to attend uh, to keep her safe, and she was only six years old and having this hurled at her. As a side note, this is how you raise a generation that will vote for Trump, by the way, is you take them to school and yell racial slurs at a little six-year-old girl and teach them that that's normal and okay to do. So congratulations, you are terrible. So while important, the forced integration that occurred generally disadvantaged uh, black students. They were oftentimes made to travel long distances to go to school. They had to deal with the backlash from terrible students and their parents as they joined these white communities. And the statistics show that just in general, the education system is built in such a way that favors white or better off families so integration is great on paper but until the system is fixed and supportive of uh, minority families it's not actually going to be as useful as everyone thinks the uh one of my other favorite podcasts uh malcolm gladwell's
1: revisionist history his second season is a lot on mm-hmm. race and he does uh, at least one episode that looks at integration and how it was done wrong and uh, looks at one of the big things they did is they just like said just decided to close all of the african-american schools they did not integrate the teachers Mm -hmm. um so then all of these well a you went from having a fairly high uh, number of african-american teachers before integration to hardly any Mm -hmm. if not any you right. went because they're competing with the white teachers and white families didn't want their teacher their kids white kids to be taught by African-American teachers so they weren't hired for jobs even those that had master's or inner upper degrees that might have actually been more qualified than white uh, teachers weren't getting jobs because they were uppity and nobody wanted
0: uppity. People, black people teaching white kids. There was a racial slur there that got used a lot that neither of us are going to say because we're too white to say it and it's yeah. wrong. One of the main things is they didn't integrate the teachers. So that's mm-hmm. one of
1: the ways that they didn't do it properly because then you're definitely putting these minority students at advantages by, because just by human nature, um, we're more apt to identify with people that are like us. hmm So these teachers would pick students for things like gifted programs. And it's usually not a conscious bias, but sort of an an unbiased for those. They would say a white teacher would be more apt to just form a bond with a white student who's gifted Mm -hmm. who might get preferable treatment. Um, But then if it was an African-American or a Latino teacher, they might be more apt to form a bond with a minority student, like an African-American yeah. student, or just because it's just our, you know, yeah, I mean, I know that everybody says, you know, we're not born with any. Um, okay, well, that's horseshit. We are. <laughs> yeah, because we're born with, everybody has that sort of, you you relate to people that you have similar, that, that you relate to because of various base
0: Commonalities. Commonalities. And that's an evolutionary holdover from yeah. when we all lived in groups in the trees and prides of our animal selves. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, those were the, fam- the
1: communities we created because we all needed to rely upon each other for things like survival. So there are some base.
0: Yeah. And it works like, the other way, too. Yeah. Like we're learning more and more how important representation is. So it's not just the teachers choosing the minority students to kind of favor, but it's also the minority students having someone who looks like them to look up to and aspire to be like them. So, and it works exactly that. It works the
1: other way because then it's those teachers that inspire them um, to excel, to become part of those programs, Mm -hmm. to make, uh, you know, and it's those, those people that they can reach out to. So it works both ways. So, I mean, its representation is super important. And they did not, when they integrated, have any sort of representation yeah. of
0: anybody else. Yeah. So, uh, back to Sumter County. Sorry. And that's okay. Side, sidebars are always interesting and important. Uh, in Sumter County, with its first integrated school that just opened, uh, the county had been ordered to segregate. No, I'm sorry. The county had been ordered to integrate in 1970 by federal judges. And the decision came down with the following quote. We enter into this order in this case with the full realization that the student body of the Sumter County school system will, in all probability, be composed of only Negro students. So like we were saying, just the way that the social system worked out at the time, certain classes of people and races tend to congregate together. And so when the justices decided that integration was going to happen, they recognized the fact that that was the case in Sumter County. The decision itself also predicted that what white families were in the area would leave and the results of integration would be white flight in the county. And uh, this is pretty much what happened. Traditional white public schools were closed because there were just no students enrolling as of the fall of 1970, which was the first school year after the decision. At that time, only four students, four white students enrolled in the public system in Sumner County. So, the school was no longer technically segregated, but they didn't have any white children enrolled. So, here's the difference between legal and practical uh, ideas. So, you might be asking yourself, did all these white families actually leave Sumter County? And if not, were they all homeschooled? Like, where did these children go? What happened was that parents just chose not to send their kids to public schools and instead sent them to private institutions that weren't subject to the Brown v. Board of Education decision remember, in that decision, it's just the public institutions, such as schools, that were affected. This wasn't an odd occurrence in the South. This happened quite often, to the point where there was even a nickname for these types of schools known as segregation academies. Uh, They still exist today, though tracking them is difficult. Um, This article that I was looking at was saying that there are approximately 35 of them in Mississippi as of 2012 subter academy which was the local private white school the segregation academy uh, closed in june 2017 citing a population decline the headmaster and i'm gonna say flaming racist again was a man named glenn sanders and actually went to a reporter who put a camera and a microphone in his face and said publicly the following The sad part about it is there's always been a need for this school in Sumter County, and now it's not here, and quite honestly, it's almost like someone died. Well there, Glenn, I think the sad part is that there was in fact a need for that type of school in your area, and it's probably really good that that thing died. Yeah. Glenn, the the headmaster of the Sumter County um, Academy, is saying that his school closed as a direct response to the opening of the university charter school. And Charter schools are another rabbit hole, um, but they are considered by many when done right to give a private school education for free or using tax dollars to those who wouldn't be able to afford it themselves as a family. Uh, LeBron James's school that just opened is a charter school and it's a good example of that. So at this new school uh, there's about 300 students and about half of them are black. Uh, It's the closest any school in the county has ever gotten to the actual demographic representation for the county, which is 75% black. So it's still not fully there, but it's at least closer than anyone else has been. The article in question that caught my kind of fancy to do a rabbit hole on was a little bit clickbaity to say it's the first integrated school. Well, no, they they had been integrated, just not in practice, though they were legally. But it was still an interesting little... Kind of sight. Sidebar yeah. and look into how racism has been alive and well for so long in some of these areas. I think we
1: also, uh, well, Canadians, we we feel superior to Americans in so many ways on on um, things like racism front. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not, we bad shouldn't much. be. We really shouldn't be. We're, um, we're
0: better in some pockets, but, but not great. <laughs> and like slavery still existed in Canada. Yeah. Like let's stop pretending like it didn't. Africatown in Nova Scotia wasn't the best.
1: Place to live. Yeah, and then it just got bulldozed. Yeah. But in parts of Nova Scotia, they had slavery because of people coming. Like, just like, stop, stop pretending like we didn't yeah. have it at all. Um, but what I was going to say is it's,
0: I think we also think that it was so long ago when it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Something else that we might have think of happening as so, so long ago, but in fact ended fairly recently, uh, was the First World War. Fun oh. fact. Uh, you might be asking yourself, how was that possible? There was a Second World War after the first one, and there's been a few other large events that have happened since then. I remember reading a couple years ago an article about the First World War having just come to an end that year, and was full flabbergasted. So it felt like a perfect little uh, detour down a rabbit hole to talk about in this episode. Again, for some historical background, I went to history.com. Uh, And I'm assuming this was posted before the network became dedicated to ancient aliens and chop shops. Probably been around for a long time. Uh, Here's a potted history of the First World War for you. It started in 1914 with the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. This triggered a um, series of national alliances that brought all of Europe into conflict with each other. Germany, Austria, Hungary, Bulgaria, and the Ottoman Empire fought as one coalition known as the Central Powers. And they fought against Great Britain, France, Russia, Italy, Romania, Japan, and the United States, known as the Allied Powers. This war was probably the bloodiest uh, humanity had ever seen, and that's down to the new technologies and the battle strategies uh, that were employed, including chemical warfare, automated weapons, and uh, the extensive use of trench warfare in some really muddy, boggy uh, environments for multiple years. The war ended in 1918. At that point, approximately 16 million people had died, and the Allied powers, so the Brits and the Americans and their allies, were declared the victory. In the resulting um, treaty negotiations, uh, Germany was seen as the primary aggressor of the war, and because of this, one of the pieces to the treaties included clauses that Germany would pay back France and other uh, affected countries for their troubles. And these were known as the reparation payments. I found a really interesting article online through the Atlantic uh, that originally appeared in 1920 and it was authored by F. W. Tossig. and the title is Germany's Reparation Payments and it describes exactly what was expected from Germany and what the possible benefits and problems would be. So before we get into this remember that all of these are $1920. We googled it and it's basically, if you're thinking about
1: what that dollar was in 1920, is worth about $100 in, say, our money. So right. one to a hundred. Yeah. So.
0: Keeping in mind that the war ended in 1918, by May of 1921, Germany had to pay $5 billion to the Allied powers. It's a fair chunk of change. In order to cover that cost, uh, they were allowed to turn over military assets to put towards the bill. And this included sheep, coal, cattle, anything that was movable and that could be sold. They expected their kind of uh, these goods to be valued at three and a half billion dollars. So the extra 1.5 billion could be put on credit, um, in essence, by being paid out in interest bearing bonds. So not only did they have to put out a hundred or one point five billion in capital, but they were also going to be charged interest on that. Between nineteen twenty one and nineteen twenty six, Germany would then have to issue an additional ten billion dollars in bonds at an interest rate of two and a half percent, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you start talking in billions, it's a shit ton of money. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was also a clause in the treaties that said that Germany would have to pay an indeterminate amount, uh, but expected to be a further $10 billion when a committee that had been set up to monitor the reparation payments decided that paying the money wouldn't sink the German state. Uh, And keep in mind at that point, they would have paid out about $12 billion in a six-year period after having just lost a major war. So it sunk them anyway. Yeah, they were never, yeah. They were set up for failure before they even, the ink dried on those treaties. Uh, Taussig, the article's author, says a considerable period of transition is thus provided for during which Germany may prepare to pay and the allies themselves may prepare to receive. Which is just dumb because if you want to hand me $12 billion, I'll just take it. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't need to, like, the only thing I'd have to do is quit my job, but that's about all I'd have to prepare for. Uh, the article then goes on to describe germany's economy which was weak given that they just lost the war and any trade potentials it's an interesting read if you're a history nerd like i am and you want to check out the nitty-gritty it's pretty well done and um, the atlantic from 1920 it's a good article so why are we talking about all this in relation to uh crazy things that you can't believe just happened uh well in 2010 what caught my attention was an article that came out in Time magazine said, why did World War One just end by Claire Sudaf? So it took Germany 92 years to finish making all of their reparation payments, um, because as per the conditions of the 1919 Treaty of Versailles, the books on World War One couldn't be closed until that last payment had been made. And that didn't happen until 2010. There were, of course, some lapses in payments, like 1939 to 45 comes to mind uh, when Hitler just stopped making his payments. I wonder why. He, he, it's not like he wasn't trying to dominate the world or anything. He right. wasn't going to give a hand up to his, ally, his, to his enemies. Yeah. Also, the fact that the reparation payments had crippled the German economy was a major contributing factor to him coming to power. Yes. So, uh, Germany started making payments consistently again uh, in the 1990s. The last payment, total $94 million, was the final sum owed, Uh, And it was owed on that extra $10 billion worth of bonds that the state had to issue after the first cash payments went out. Um, A bunch of American bankers had bought them up, bought up those bonds in the uh, 30s-ish, like the JP Morgan's of the world. And so they were holding on to those, waiting for them to be paid out by the state. The original reparation payments were supposed to have totaled $63 billion, uh, but was eventually reduced to $33 billion so 330 billion uh, in today's money
1: the first payment still a shit oh ton of
0: money oh god yeah uh, the first payments were made in 1921 by just printing money and it completely tanked the german economy that was already struggling there's a really famous picture of a woman with a wheelbarrow full of paper marks going through dresden like the bombed da- i think it's dresden the bombed out background. Yeah. and she was on her way to buy a loaf of bread like the money was worthless the paper money was worth nothing and funnily enough, that was Trump's recommendation recently to his finance people to stop the debt from hitting a trillion dollars sooner than predicted. Just print more money. It'll be fine. That's how you value your economy. <laughs> yes. But when you don't understand civil principles like that, it seems like a really good idea because I had that idea when I was like five or six and my parents were talking money in front of me. I said, why don't we just print more money? And then I got the explanation like the state can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um so germany made the first payment in 21 by printing money they ended up defaulting for the first time in 1923 and then completely stopping by 1933 when hitler came into uh, power following world war ii uh, germany was split into two uh, with the east going to the communist bloc and the west remaining a democratic nation and at that time, they told the international community that they wouldn't be making payments until the country could be unified at some further point. So they said, thanks, we've still got the bill, but we're not paying it if and until we're able to unify again. So cut to 1995. Well,
1: that makes sense, because the communist side probably was probably like, I'm not chipping on that. And then yeah. the democratic side was like, I'm not paying this whole thing myself. Myself, yeah. You. <laughs> Basically paying myself, myself, like. Like a divorced couple trying to figure out child support payments.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so cut to 1995. The wall between the two Germanys comes down and the payments started up again. I think it's really trippy that something that's relegated to the history books for the most part. In fact, because of some legalese that got put Clause. into a treaty, in fact, only ended a handful of years ago. Yeah, eight years ago. Jesus. Mm-hmm. So,
1: oh, wow, be- the Germans did pretty good for, like, paying that off in... You know less than a hundred years no like the last sort of from 95 to
0: oh yeah 10 yeah. like that's still billions of dollars they had to pay off in that time frame. Right? true the problem was an in interest the interest yeah I couldn't find out how much was actually owed between when they just stopped and when they came back to paying. but yeah I, I would imagine it's the interest that's the killer like yeah because 2.5 is the interest bearing bonds some of the other bonds and the other kind of credit devices that were being used, where interest was up as six and a bit percent. That's a lot. When you're yes, when you're talking about billions of dollars, <laughs> yeah, I would love a to a have lot. a six percent credit card, but yeah, I had a five percent credit card. Oh, we'll have to talk about that after this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like think about
1: when you get car or like six percent's a lot on a car payment that's over four years. But can you imagine billions of dollars mm-hmm. over a hundred years? So you're carrying that interest payment, yep. especially if it's an interest on the original loan amount and not just the loan that's out, the amount that's outstanding?
0: Yeah. Mad props to Germany. Yeah. This is why they've become like the economic
1: superpower. twenty right. In under 20 years, they managed to pay off whatever billions was remaining, mm-hmm. which I'm assuming was probably still quite many billions.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, they have been the driving force behind the European economy for quite some time. Yes, all down to Angie Merkel, the badass bitch in charge of the Germans right now. Yes. So because I believe in the rule of three, I felt like I couldn't just leave things there, and I had to find one more tunnel to go off on in this rabbit hole. Unfortunately, when I Googled, I can't believe this just happened. Nothing really interesting or fun popped up. Which is disappointing for Google. I know. Google, Google doesn't, doesn't let you down, usually, that one. No, she's my girl Googs is usually pretty good. The Google. The Googs. Um, I also tried, I can't believe we still do this. And that's when I saw a headline about a British county that still puts people in prison for not paying their taxes. So that was a little kooky, but it kind of set me off on looking for outdated laws that are still on the books. From CTV News, I found an article from 2017 titled, Six Strange Canadian Laws Still on the Books. Here are some of the, the crazy things that you and I can't do. Still, we can't roll up on our car dealership and expect to pay for a new uh, ride with nickels. Damn it. I know. We no longer have the penny, but with our nickels now. I was going to use those containers and (laughs) bins and bins of bins of nickels I have left. (laughs) Um, Merchants can refuse to accept your money if you try to buy something with more than $5 in nickels, $25 in loonies, or $40 in toonies. So it's not like the Americans where they have... Uh, good for all debts private and public on their money and they have to take it like a hundred dollar bill for a dollar water bottle here our merchants can go you're out of your fucking mind get out of my store yeah so is there a guy in his uber pettiness paid like
1: a fine or property tax yeah unrolled pennies (laughs) down in the states okay
0: that's my kind of guy i know (laughs) i think i sent that to you going this would be your soulmate yeah yes absolutely uh, Canadians can't fraudulently pretend to exercise or to use any kinds of witchcraft, sorcery, enchantment, or conjuring to tell fortunes for payment. Going back to last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Doing so will get you charged under the criminal code, but I'd like to point out that the language doesn't cover those that aren't fraudulent. So, if you've got a legit connection to the spirit worlds and they're telling unlike our medium from the goop story, uh, you are in the clear. In Toronto, you can only hold two garage sales per year according to the municipal code, and having a continuous ongoing garage sale can result in a $5,000 fine. The poor bugger who lived next to that asshole. Oh, I know. Who that law. Because
1: Whoever... you know all of these stupid laws are just reactioned to
0: one person. Yeah. Or one group of people. Or one, like, really bonkers event. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So somebody's property value took a tank, and they got fed up, and went to the municipality. Fair enough. You can get two years in jail if you challenge someone to a duel. The person that you challenge can also get two years in jail, which I find wholly unfair. Yes. But I guess you should have apologized before it got to that point. Is the theory behind it. I don't know. <laughs> Much like the European Union uh, and their laws to protect the production of champagne, there is a series of laws in Canada called the Maple Product Regulations, and these laws state that no person shall market a fake maple product in import, export, or interprovincial trade in such a manner that it is likely to be mistaken for a maple product. We are very serious about our maple. We are. We have a strategic maple reserve, much like the Americans have for gas, and we have for gas too, but we also hold on back a certain amount of maple product a year, just so that we never have to have a drought in the market. <laughs> I mean you just don't fuck with our maple syrup like you don't do it (laughs) Uh, sneaking up behind the queen and yelling boo can get you 14 years in jail it's part of our criminal code that we are prohibited from intentionally alarming or frightening the queen which she's 92 years old at this point it's probably practical law to have on the books and probably shouldn't go anywhere
1: Yeah, but she'd also probably turn around and deck you, too, even at 94, because I think she'd imagine to hit you with your purse or something, like very Sophia from Golden Golden Girls. Girls, Yeah, Yeah. she
0: seems pretty feisty, even at her stage of life, so.
1: I saw her in 1995, it was like the Cabot 500 celebration, Mm -hmm. I sent you the picture, it was sort of grainy, but she was like really unaccompanied with...
0: There was hardly any security with her. It was just Sheila Copps and Brian Tobin. I also live with the shame of knowing that if my car broke down, the Queen could probably fix it better and faster than I could. Yeah. Because I couldn't do it at all. And I would have to call someone in. And if she was going to be around, I would ask her to do it. But (laughs) Uh, so those are the six laws on the books that are a little wacky. Uh, Back in March 2017, our justice minister announced plans to review the Canadian criminal code to remove what are known as zombie laws And zombie laws are sections of the law that remain in effect, but are deemed unconstitutional or out of date. I personally think we need a set of laws to protect us from the zombies, but uh, this is apparently a different type of situation. (laughs) We're still waiting for the updates to that code. Our political climate has changed, and I don't think our ruling party has the juice to get it through. And when you open up a bill that big, it will take forever, and you will argue it to death. So you have to have enough juice on your side to do it and i don't think we're there anymore
1: i've only dealt with like rules and regulations and bylaw changes to clean up stupid stuff that
0: don't make any sense yeah that's hard enough yeah so imagine opening up the criminal code of canada right with the parts about abortion and yes any other hot topic issues plugged into it it's not going anywhere so I just find it surprising how ever so often something comes up in relation to our everyday life that you would think is relegated to the history books. But there it is, front and center, right in your face. Day-to-day life is impacted by it. So so yeah, that uh, that was my rabbit hole for the week. Well, very interesting.
1: The fact that the Great War just well ended, so I guess it was really pretty great. And it's not in a good way.
0: Just long. True. I mean, it felt like it's pretty recent, but it was eight years ago that it happened. So. I know. Still. Now the history is becoming history.
1: <laughs> also, we're old, so oh, like, it just feels like 2010 was just a little while ago, and then you're like, yeah. no, no, that was eight years ago. Jesus. Yeah, you start
0: doing the math, and you're like, yeah.
1: I am ancient. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, if you liked our stories, you can get a hold of us if you want to send us any feedback. Please do, but please make it nice because uh, Elise is very fragile. I am. Um,
0: I will cry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, you can reach us at our website, our rabbitholespodcast.com, email rabbitholespodcast at gmail, Twitter at rabbitholespod, Facebook, rabbitholespodcast page, and Instagram,
0: rabbitholespodcast. Absolutely. And the show notes for this episode will be up on our website. Oh, yes. Sorry. forgot to that. And when we say show notes, we mean the links to all the articles that we yes. used. Uh, If you like what we're doing and you want to help us out, you can head over to our Patreon page and become one of our patrons. Uh, We're on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash rabbit holes podcast, or you can connect with us via the support tab on the website. We have lots of fun stuff coming to the not so secret secret part of our website for our patrons of the Velveteen tier and above. We just filmed filmed. We first, we just recorded our first Uh Patreon episode. No one wants to see me on the camera. I, I don't know. I'm digging this like podcasting fort situation. I do like up. the fort. I just would like to have cleaner hair. Sure. So maybe we'll do full hair and makeup and then record one episode. Yeah. In our little fort. It'll be a real juxtaposition of the classy and the janky. And it'll yeah. be fun times for all. Yeah. We'll dress up. Yeah. Drink some fake champagne. We'll just dress from above. Yeah. And then yoga pants on the bottom, which is how I attend meetings when I'm at home. Yeah. That works. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, we just recorded our first Patreon episode. Uh, you can access that if you're one of the first three tiers. Um, tiers. The first two tiers, you can pick Amaya's story or Andy's story. And then if you're at the third tier, you can get both of them. So check that out. If you like what we're all about and you want to rep us out in the big wide worlds, you can pick up some merch, including shirts, mugs, a cute little notebook that I've been eyeing and I think I'm going to pick up for myself. And stickers. And stickers. You can pick that stuff up from redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash rabbit holes pod or from the merch link on our website. And um, it would be great if you could go and give us a good rating or a good review on iTunes, Stitcher and or Google Play, really wherever you're downloading your pod from. This will help with our visibility. It'll get our name out there and it'll get us noticed for the um, rankings and ratings on our Big Three podcast distributors which also helps with visibility so please and thank you yes
1: and also you know gives us validation that we're not just screaming into the void or you know shows people love us uh, (laughs) which we're big fans of uh, validation so remember everybody if you don't know where you're going any road will take you there have a great day bye guys